0: Welcome to the Atheist Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Kelly. Atheist is where we will explore American cultural trends through the lenses of a devout theist and a devout atheist. We will discuss the messiness of being human, the latest in social science, psychology, and American
1: culture, and what any of it has to do with Homo sapiens' longtime preoccupation with religion.
0: Aaron. Hey, Kelly. What's up? Not much. How are you doing? I'm doing good. (laughs) Hey,
1: what's what's next on the docket? So we have uh, coming up next is Patrick Hill. He is an associate professor in the Department of Psychological and Brain Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Um, So in our backyard and his current research really is about examining how sense of purpose uh, might promote coping with stressors as well as engaging in health promoting behaviors among among other things so he also is you know looking a lot about how personality type um, mm-hmm. plays in daily and long-term cognitive resilience he also studies forgiveness and the role mm-hmm. that that plays in our um mm-hmm. longevity so i think there's you know we're gonna have a lot to talk about with yeah. uh with professor hill when Ooh, uh, professor hill is yeah. he
0: the music man <laughs> do you get that do you get that no i don't know what you're yeah talking about. <laughs> music man in the musical the music man his name is professor, professor hill, hill. Mm. yeah okay i'll have to go yeah. watch that i won't go watch, watch it, it. No. you won't watch it that's okay <laughs> But I'm definitely going to make that bad joke. That, that bad joke when he's when he's here. Uh, he he might
1: get the reference. Well, I hope, I hope he does because so. yeah. yeah, I'm sure he's gotten. It he's before. gotten it before. Wonder if he knew right off the bat. Yeah, or if he was like, I don't know what you're talking I don't about. Know you're he talking got it in too many times, and he's like, I gotta he, might look this up. he might be a theater kid. He
0: might be an ex theater kid. Yeah, yeah. We'll it's have possible. to find out.
1: He's um a looks like an Indiana guy. So mm. um at least that's where he did his um undergrad. And then, uh, his master's and PhD at the university of Notre Dame. So I think, um, I'm curious if he grew up there, we will ask him, we will find out,
0: We will find out. (laughs) Stay tuned.
1: Yep. So let's, I think we should talk a little bit. Um, you know, we can kind of unpack sort of our, I don't know, gut reactions, preconceptions about some of the things that Mm -hmm. he is, um, studying. So thinking about, I think maybe off the top, how sense of purpose, Mm -hmm. um, can promote coping with stressors mm-hmm. and engaging in um like healthier living. I think that's kind of interesting. What do you what Say do you, that again. Just okay. say that again to me. So right now the, his research is is on how sense of purpose
0: may promote coping with stressors. Okay. And uh so meaning like if I feel like I am doing a job but it has a greater purpose than just the thing that I'm doing, I can have a, a, a larger capacity for stress than if I'm just doing a job that like I don't think really means much in the yeah I think in the well greater...
1: I act, I this is one of the things that I am curious to talk to him about because I'm not sure how much of this is related to your job or not yeah. right so and and that's a question um, too which is like what are the ways that other people where, where do you find meaning and purpose outside of work yeah and if you are in a job that doesn't necessarily like just inherently say, Oh, this is full, filled with meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. Like how, where do you, where do you go? Where, yeah. where do you go to fill that, yeah. that bucket? Um, or, you know, if you maybe are in a job that you, that has meaning and purpose, but you're just like, honestly,
0: it doesn't, I'm over it. Yeah.
1: Or whatever, you know, yeah. your it doesn't for you, yeah. um, sort of like, you know, how, how do you, how do you manage that? But I do think like the idea that, um, that you feel like your life has meaning and purpose is yes. makes you more resilient to
0: that your life. has yeah. Meaning and purpose. Yeah. yeah. That's what that's I think. That's so interesting. Yeah. Right. So there's a difference between you saying like my job has meaning yeah. and purpose as opposed to my life has meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's yeah. we can end the episode right now. <laughs> I mean, just think, just go home and think about that people. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. How many of us actually think about our purpose in terms of our lives, and yeah. how many of us think in, about our purpose in terms of like what it is we do yeah. in our jobs? Yeah, yeah, that just that struck me hard. Mm. Yeah, that's good.
1: Yeah. So, and then the kind of second portion of that was like engaging. That I think that people feel who feel like they have sense of purpose in their lives are more likely to uh, engage in health promoting behaviors, mm. which. It's kind of, that's interesting. I don't know what that means. Like I want to drill down into a lot of the specifics of the, what is the health
0: promoting behavior? Yeah. I mean, we can kind of, yeah, yeah, guess what some some of those are, are.
1: but the fact that that would contribute to that or how, how do they, and the other thing I want to know is how do they study that? I mean, I'm sure it's questionnaires, but, um, you know, how do you, how do you try to, how do you try to look at that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is a, this is totally, well, I'm not even gonna go on that tangent. We'll go on that tangent another time. Okay. okay. Data and research and all that. Yeah. So yeah.
1: we'll, um, one, the other thing that I think is interesting is he's talking about, um, how your personality dis- dispositions, yes. uh, f- affect your daily and long-term
0: cognitive resilience. Do you think he knows anything about the Enneagram? I don't know, maybe we can ask him. We can ask him. He'll be like, that's bullshit. Yeah. So, that what
1: he's talking about is related to what they call the big five uh-huh. um, or psychological trait theory. Uh-huh. But it's the the five personality traits are extroversion, uh-huh. agreeableness, uh-huh. openness, conscientiousness, and neuroticism. Yeah. And you're either like high, low yeah, there's on ranges those.
0: and all those. Yeah. And- yeah. And then, and then based on those kind of where you land in each of those, are there just kind of like archetypes or he doesn't, they don't go into any kind of like,
1: no, it's not like that where you have like a, like a an, character or ENF, a persona ENFP yeah, yeah, that's created whatever. from that. No, yeah. I don't think so. Uh, I think that's just like kind of the, I think that's a standard like test that a yeah. lot of, um psychological researchers use if they're trying to discern mm-hmm. like the role that personality plays in mm-hmm. like your your life the class that i just finished it was called the science of well-being um with um Lori santos is the professor but she was saying and i can't remember whose research she was referencing i'd have to go back and look it was a it was a, it was a female scholar i knew that um but she the 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 work was basically saying that like in your life, like how you cope with things, Mm -hmm. right? It's like 50% is sort of determined by your personality. Mm -hmm. So it's like 50% is either, you know, I'm a glass half full or I'm a glass half empty kind of person. And like, there's just, you know, there's only so much you can do with, you know, you're kind of have that baked in. And then 10% is the shit that happens to you. And then uh, 40% is is like the habits of mind mm-hmm. that you cultivate your, for yourself. Yeah,
0: I I I totally buy that. Yeah. Not that
1: it a y- cool pie chart.
0: Yeah, that is a cool <laughs> pie chart. But that but that's so interesting that it's only 10%.
1: That no the that, the 10% is just like the bad stuff that happens you. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because some people allow the 10% to be 90%, right? Yeah. 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 And it's only 10%.
1: Yeah. It's that 40, it's that 40, well, I mean, it's the, it's the whole thing. Right. But like, it's actually, when you think about it, it's like, that's a lot actually that you get to have some influence over. Absolutely. Um,
0: But even, even, even knowledge. So this is in my Enneagram, like works, like type, typology, personality stuff that I do. Um, the stuff that we're born with, right. This personality kind of archetype that we're, like the idea is that once we're aware that it becomes a confirmation bias for us. So we get, we receive all these kind of messages, right. But the messages that we absorb are the ones that confirm this personality that we are born with. Yeah. Then once we can understand that, then we can kind of discern what are the messages that we're going to take and not take. So even, even that stuff that's, that's nature as opposed to nurture right we still have control over that because we can still kind of say have an awareness of 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 what we choose to take in yeah yeah
1: yeah no it is it is it is an an awareness and and sort of creating the the structure for yourself about what you what you take in and what you don't I mean I think uh in the same way um oh gosh, garbage in, garbage out, yeah. right? Like you're in, in like in the same, in in that way, like you have to curate a way to move through the world. I think especially in the environment of information abundance that we live in and you have an endless stream
0: mm-hmm.
1: that is overwhelming if if you desire it to be um, of information that could come at you at any time. And like you, it's like, I only have so much time and I only have so much bandwidth. I need to sort of, you know, filter, um, and create for me the, you know, environment that is healthy for me to be in. Yeah.
0: And I mean, and we're talking like, you know, this is easy, but it's, it's really, it's really hard. It's really hard, but, but yeah, awareness. And we've talked, I think we've said the word awareness probably more than any other word in this podcast. Cause yeah, that's, that's the key, right? Um, how do we, how do we attune ourselves to, um, what, what's happening?
1: I know. And you think what's interesting is, uh, also like, I mean, in, in the span of human history, how new these, um, Mm -hmm this information overload is mm-hmm. like Lauren and I were out with, the, we had, we went for a run and we had a lane and she, we let her out of the stroller and she was running around in the park. And, um, I don't know. Lauren was checking her phone. It was some news alert about this. There was this nine year old kid that was like abducted and there was a ransom and um, then yeah, they like, right, whatever. Right. And I hadn't they found her. I, yeah. And it was all fine. But the, um, I've kind of given, I've like, really 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 scaled back how much news i pay attention to and um i'm like man you hear about these stories and there's always so many stories of like there's endless amounts of like stories that can freak you out and um you're like if i just didn't have any of this information i would think the world is the greatest place ever
0: (laughs) right like right where you are where you're living (laughs) because your life's pretty good right my
1: experience is fine
0: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and that's the thing is, right? Awareness isn't necessarily about being attuned to CNN 24/7 or Fox News 24/7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being aware is going okay, I know that my tendency is to interpret this information in this specific way. Yeah. yeah. And I know that, and so I need to make adjustments to how I receive and interpret information mm-hmm. so that I am really having an, a, a, a full spectrum of experience of what's happening. So I don't, so I don't, so I'm not living out of a, out of, out of um, uh, kind of a broken place where it's just about me and my perception of things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's really easy for people to get Stuck in, yeah. Um, which I, I I assume that's that's part of what he's talking about, right? Yeah. Is that like when you get stuck in that, it's not it's not good for your coping, your mm-hmm. lo- longevity. You know, it probably mm-hmm. affects all different kinds of things. I I was listening to um, he has a podcast also, and um, I was listening to some of his some of the episodes. But he was talking about how it you know it affects people who feel uh, that they have meaning and purpose in their lives you know, just sleep better. Mm. Um, you know, just, you know, just these like little, how it affects different Mm -hmm. aspects of your, um, and you, you almost think for a second, you'd be like, well, maybe it would be the opposite because people are like, oh, I have so much to do, or I have so much, you know, but it's really that I, cause I think maybe it's a more about, uh, like a contentment.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Right. Yeah. That meaning and purpose. And, and some people confuse, Meaning and purpose with, and I am all for um, the things that we do to help our fellow man and to create space for people who don't have space, 100%. But meaning and purpose isn't always just socially justice focused. Mm, oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Right. That there's meaning and purpose can be found like I, we were, I'm, I'm in a class right now, <laughs> us in our classes, I'm taking a class in bio We were having a class the other day and we were talking about Mary Oliver, the poet and Mary Oliver, she's a Pulitzer prize winning poet. She's a nature poet. I, I, you might call her a nature poet. Um, but one of the things that when we're talking about like contentment as a part of meaning and purpose, right? She is a woman who has basically dedicated her life, she dedicated her life to spending time in the woods, spending time in nature and observing things so specifically and writing them in these beautiful ways that allows all of us, and and because her poetry isn't like so abstract and so like highfalutin. Yeah. It's a very democratic poetry, right? So everybody can read Mary Oliver and feel what it feels like to walk in the woods and see a swan in the lake. Everybody can feel it. And some people don't feel that that constitutes good poetry. Um, but what she does is, in in this sense of contentment and purpose, is she, and this is the idea of like the community of saints, right? That, that, that there are people who pray for the rest of us. Yeah. There are people who, there are monks, you know, Buddhist monks who sit in silence all day because we have to go to work. Yeah. And Mary Oliver is a poet who goes out to the woods and who observes the loon and the and the uh, the owl and writes about them. So that, because most of, because most of us live in a city yeah. and we don't, we can't. Yeah. And so that is this beautiful sense of purpose and meaning. And she's not doing anything particularly, you know, in terms of political, she's mm-hmm. not doing a political act yeah. Yeah. by, by the things that she does. Um, but it certainly has meaning and purpose and, and affects all of us in, in profound ways. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't think it has to be big things or yeah. big, big grand. I think it really, I suspect it mostly comes down to the quality of your relationships, yeah. um, and how we tend to those relationships or cultivate those relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is at least what, um, I think I referenced this study on here before, but the that Harvard study that they did—that's like yeah. the hundred-year study, or if it's yep. just shy of that. But um, oh, they, I think it's
0: even more than that. Actually, well, because the cohort
1: was so JFK was in the cohort of
0: the original. Yeah,
1: they—they um, they don't like. I think because he's not alive, they maybe have like said that's that so that he was interesting. In, but, um, yeah so it was these um it was you know young men yeah. at harvard that they followed um but and then they have since like added family members and mm-hmm. and whatnot but but really it, this was
0: when harvard was only men too correct yes yeah. yes
1: um and then so then they found like poor men
0: yeah and they're only rich <laughs> and rich men then, yeah yeah
1: um now there's women too but yeah. the what they <laughs> what they have found is i mean it's still an amazing data set to be able yeah. to follow people over oh, that amount sure. of time and and um, you know, seek, you know, give them questionnaires and they've had, they, they have go through the things that we go through yeah. in our, our lifespan. So those, those joys and those losses and those, um, you know, all of those different, different milestones and sort of be able to gauge over the lifespan, over these different experiences, yeah. um, what has been the, mo- the most important. And for most, most people, it comes down to, you know the quality the the number and the quality of their relationships, yeah, yeah, which is going back to what we were talking about the other day, which was the lone like loneliness yeah. epidemic um, Yes. When, and, and why that working is. working at home, yeah, yeah
0: for sure, for sure, yeah yeah and and even you know, I love um back to that uh the Vivek uh, Murthy and what he what he describes as like this rip this tear in the fabric of our communities and that um in whatever community we're in whether that's a a work community or a church community or a sports community or whatever it is like we are all experiencing these tears right Yeah. Yeah. yeah and how do we mend those
1: well and in speaking of of mending those if uh, yeah. the one of the things that he um also has re- he researches is the like psychological and and physiological impact of forgiveness, forgiveness. which i thought is very interesting and i i, I would love to know more about about mm-hmm. that i don't know what you're
0: yeah so i have lots to say about forgiveness and probably too much to say right here but you can go to my stub sack and read uh, my article on the way forward forgiveness. But a um, couple things. One, um, Archbis- Archbishop Desmond Tutu says that there is no future without forgiveness. And I thought that was so interesting. Um, and for me, forgiveness, right, is a letting go. And the opposite of forgiveness is resentment. And you know, we we have in the works um, uh, a podcast about um, AA and addictions and and twelve steps. And resentment is probably the biggest hindrance to to freedom from addictions. Oh, wow! So when we think about an inability to forgive, we think it's it's really about keeping ourselves in bondage to this, yeah. this sense of like it is anger it is. and addiction yeah to yeah. this anger
1: yeah 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 the the opposite of love isn't hate it's indifference yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: um yeah you kind of bind yourself up in that
0: yeah you know, resentment can feel really good. It can feel empowering, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and that's such a false sense of power. Um, and it's really this forgiveness and this kind of self-emptying. That, you know, what I this is what I see in in the ministry of Jesus is this idea that in letting in letting go of all that and in not taking choice and not making the choice to hold power over somebody mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but in releasing them of that you are actually releasing yourself of that and you know back to your idea of contentment right yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah i suspect that the the opposite approach will will not will leave you with more discontent
0: mm-hmm. yeah for sure and 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 it's what keeps. So there's a there's a verse in Matthew six where Jesus says, "If you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your sins." Which is pretty like sounds pretty quid quid pro quo, Mm right? Like like you need to either forgive people, and if you forgive people, then God's going to forgive you. But if you don't, then God's not. And I don't (laughs) think it's I don't think he's really saying that like God's not going to forgive you. It's it's saying if you don't forgive other people, you're going to be bound up in this way that you're not going to be allowed, you're not going to allow transformation to happen in your life. Yeah, yeah. And so if you if you want to be transformed, you have to let go. Yeah. Um. Which is, that's, you know, so many of our spiritual texts, you know, what, whatever religion we're talking about, there are such like, rich psychological truths oh my gosh. that exist there and yeah. I think that's one of them right yeah. and you know, yeah. and we can somebody can look at that and be like wow well, what is what does that mean that means that you know god is an unforgiving god no it's just saying like literally you are are not going to allow you're you're kind of becoming hermetically sealed from any kind of of transformative act to, to work upon your heart or your soul or your spirit to, yeah. to move you in any way. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you let down that guard and you release that power and, you know, possibility happens.
1: It's mm. interesting. That's really good.
0: I'm curious what he might say. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. What his researches. It, yeah. shows. Yeah. Because I, it's so interesting to me that there are these social researchers who are researching things like forgiveness and oh, it's gratitude, and, yeah. you know? Well, so that, and that was
1: one of the, um, I, I, in one of the episodes he was talking about with his co-host that, um, that that's one of the criticisms sometimes that people get ah. are sort of like why are you spending the time on these positive emotions where there's all you know the people that are suffering right. we should be studying like the negative ones and he's like or oh, but we could we might want to give them tools like you yeah, know <laughs> we might want to
0: give them tools also maybe it's because yeah like studying resent like we can study resentment but yeah then what do we do right right <laughs> exactly what's the what's the yeah so
1: which was making me think about so in in, going back to that class that I was taking um, the uh, professor that taught the class was was in a lot of of the text in the course um, was referencing the scholar that's out of from the University of Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. um, named Martin Sigelman and he wrote a book called Flourish but they had us take uh, and he he sort of goes in in the book, at the beginning of the book explains, they, it's a PERMA model is the way it's like P-E-R-M-A. So, and which stands for positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishments. Mm. And it's a, it's like a test that you take. Mm -hmm. And so at the beginning of the class, they have us take this test. Um, so it's this and it's this test, the PERMA test, and it's the authentic happiness or something like that test. Mm -hmm. And they it's a score. Um and then you go through the course and at the end of the course, you take the same test again and to see, does learning tools, you know yeah. I mean they're they're basically habits of mind or or things that you can structure in your day that are habits. Sure. do these does learning about the science of well-being change your score? Turns out it does yeah. or can at yeah. least I mean I think that the so once you take the course, then you get to you're like in the pool of people that they'll reach back out to mm-hmm. in the future and and see did. Some of it stick, so to speak, you know. Like, did learning about it at one point in your life end up, you know, changing that score over over time? Um, But it's certainly like when you're in it, is making you more attentive to paying attention to the right things. Mm -hmm. So, but the perma thing. So one of the five, which he says, like that, that sort of you know trying to discern well being, um, you know, and he likes to use the term well being versus like happiness because happiness sort of has like what is that? Yeah, you know, it's, right, it's not right. as solid. Yeah. Um, but like that. is that, that meaning, right? Having meaning is only just one of the, f- the five things mm-hmm. that sort of like help people have like well, well-being in their lives.
0: That's interesting. And, and, and the other things are, say those one more time. So the first one is,
1: is just positive emotion. And okay. so I think that is kind of like that personality, personality char- right? characteristic, yeah. right? Engagement. Just, okay. like, I think how present you are, yes. how maybe like. That awareness piece too. Yeah. um The relationships. So yes. like some of the questions are about like, you know, do you feel lonely or not? Yeah. Like how often do you, you know, how often do you spend time with other people? Like those, yeah. you know, those sort sorts of questions. Um, meaning. And then the last one is accomplishments. accomplishments. And that one would sort of be like you know do you usually like achieve the goals that you're working towards and things like things like that yeah um so it's 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 i mean you can go online and take it for for free and they'll you know and it'll get it you get a a score yeah, yeah and tell
0: you and and the score tells you that you how like how great your life is Kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, just like where you are, like yeah. you, give, you know, gives you kind of a baseline, yeah, um, yeah. for for but, where you are. Yeah.
0: So here's my. So here's yeah. When you, as you were saying that, this is, I think it's interesting. So learning, and you were you were saying like learning about well being. Yeah. And so from like, from a well, from my perspective, and we haven't really talked about like. What I do is like a spiritual director, like yeah. that I'm a spiritual director, which is sounds real woo woo. <laughs> but I kind of like, uh, I basically, I, I'm kind of a, I'm not a therapist at all, but I kind of walk with people in a spiritual journey, like a one-on-one kind mm-hmm. of thing. So a lot of people come to me and they're like, I want to have a more spiritual life or, but I don't, I'm not particularly religious or yeah. I was raised in this This kind of church, but I don't really believe those things. So, um, so but people are craving kind of a deeper, what they consider spirit quote unquote spiritual um, life, and probably which which means probably you can pour wine. That's fine. We can have (laughs) we can have the sounds of pouring wine, (laughs) Um, and uh, and so one of the first things i do is i ask them like what are your spiritual practices like do you have a spiritual practice and probably most of us whether we consider ourselves religious or not have spiritual practices yeah um but i would think those are kind of like these habits of mind or habits of well-being yeah. things that we learn that we do that that give us a sense of purpose yeah and are not necessarily just results oriented but are, like you said, lead to contentment, lead to a deeper uh, engagement yeah. in the world, in nature, in our relationships. Um, so we're talking about yeah. meditation. I mean, I tell most of my clients that, you know, one of the biggest, most important spiritual practices we have is learning how to love our families well, yeah. you know, Cause sometimes that can be a huge challenge. Yeah. Um, especially in these days where there's so much you know polarity um so how do we love people well and and um and that is a life of meaning and that is the distinguishment right between a life of meaning and a a a vocation of meaning or a a job that brings us meaning Yeah. yeah yeah
1: the the way that the the course is structured or how she structured the course is like the beginning the first part of the class is like the ways is, is helping unpack the ways that your mind lies to you mm. and which I, I thought was quite good. Yes. And then, um, and then how does
0: your mind lie to you, Aaron?
1: Uh, like in all the ways, I mean, it does for all of us. Right. But it's just yeah. like, we, every but specifically
0: th- for you, Aaron,
1: I mean, at the end of the day, right. Everything is, now I'm pouring wine. <laughs> um, <laughs> here. I was like too scared to actually <laughs> pour any. So I was like, Oh no. Okay. um, the
0: <laughs> at the end of the day.
1: Um yeah, at the end of the day, right? I, I think what, what it what it reminds me of, which is um is the importance of the scientific method. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> because it's everything is Relative, your reality is just relative to your own experience, right? And so everybody is just sort of walking around with their own like perception of whatever their reality is based on their own, Mm -hmm. you know, experiences. And so, do you think
0: there's no like actual universal universal truth?
1: truth? Well, that's what the why the scientific method is so important because it's the closest thing you're going to get to that, right? Which is like. I have a large enough sample size. There's not a, just an N of one because we're right. all just like these ends of one running right. around right. with our own perceptions. And then uh, that you can sort of try to be like, okay, well, this seems to be collectively true and is, you know, you're you're trying to get other people to prove the same result. Mm-hmm. You're asking people to poke holes in your uh, findings. Right on purpose. And so, I mean, there's no a better way to get to a, a, something that's close to true than right. that method.
0: Sure. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to cut you off your thought. So, I want you to finish your thought, but then I'm going to
1: I think that oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, the so the the first part is like how does your mind lie to you, right? And then the yeah. second part is like the tools for um well-being, right? To like yeah. um and she's got, like, a whole list of, like, you can pick from these things. And you get to pick one to practice, like, over several oh, weeks. Yeah. So what did you practice? Savoring. Oh,
0: good. It's such a good one.
1: Um, yeah. And then and so what, for to, to do it, like, how you're supposed to do it, is when you're in the moment, like, having this positive experience that you're like, this is really great. Yeah. You're supposed to be like, hey, like, this is really great. Like, yeah. say it out loud to someone else. Yeah,
0: and, like, and, and you're supposed to, I think it's... At, 13 at least 13 seconds or something or there's some amount of time that you're supposed to stay in it so
1: the and she also described like there she's like also almost like have a bird's eye view of yourself like having this experience
0: Mm -hmm. the inner observer yeah Yeah.
1: and um and then just yeah communicating it it out loud and then (laughs) sort of just being like like how lucky am i that i'm getting to have this experience right now and so when you when you kind of like grind into that yeah you know it it, it just, it gives it more weight. Yes. And the, the more attention that you give to those sorts of moments, like, of course it's, it's your day. You're well, like, man, sure. my day was great. Right. Because right. you're, you're, po- you're like focusing so much on attention on like moments that give you joy. Right. Um, which
0: is, which is, yeah, that, which is absolutely that scientific, you know, uh, you know, that idea that, uh, negative experiences stick like Oh, um, you
1: perceive them so much more
0: more intensely, intensely, and yeah. so they stick to us, right? Like yeah. um, what's, we're, we're su- what's sur-
1: designed for survival, which means yeah. like any rustle in the bushes, we better be like
0: that is a lion, that is a lion coming to get me in yes. Forest Park. Yeah, but what is that? What is that thing that that you Velcro? Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. Velcro, right? Yeah. Um. But then any positive experience is like Teflon, and like we There's forget fresh. it in a second. Yep. It's just yep. like gone, yep. and it. So, yeah, so savoring. So savoring.
1: Gratitude Mm -hmm. was one. So, like, people do gratitude journals. But then, so Martin Siegelman, she got this from his his book because I started reading his book. But um, he, with his students at the University of Pennsylvania, would be like, I want you to pick somebody in your life that you know, has, has made a difference in your life. And yeah. you're just going to write them all, you're going to write them a letter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he gave a word count, right? It has to be 400 words or something. I don't yeah. know. But and then, and then he's like, you're going to contact this person and say, I would like to meet with you Yeah. and not tell them like why. And then when you go to meet with them, you're, you're going to be like, I have written you this letter and you are going to read it out loud to them. Oh, wow. And then he's like, Yeah. And then it's like, congratulations, your life is now better for the next three months or something. Um, Because like, that's what his studies showed, like, if you just did this one single practice, like you're, you would see a significant improvement for like a couple of months after the the
0: person who actually communicated the gratitude. Yes. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. And I wonder, I'm sure it it was, I'm sure it impacts the receiver as well. Of course.
0: Well, you know what that makes me think about Aaron? (laughs) On my way here tonight. I grabbed my Adam Grant Think Again book, which you gave me as part of like a book group. Yeah, and I pulled out my um, bookmark, and on the back you had written, "Do you remember? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. you wrote um, to for Kelly, one of my favorite thinking partners and all around best friends. Love you, (laughs) Erin." And I read that, and I'm like i need to put this in a special place so yeah i mean the those those moments of gratitude and um when we say out loud the things we feel for one another yeah those are transformational moments. they are they they are are. yeah
1: yeah so maybe that's maybe that's the sign off is to just tell somebody that you care about That you care about them. Yeah. Because you'll feel better. And so will they.
0: And so will they. (laughs) Over and over. And write it down so they can find it later. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah.
1: So join us next time. And we will be back with uh, Professor Patrick Hill.
0: always, thank you to our audience for investing your time in listening to us. Please subscribe, leave some feedback, and rate our podcast. Most importantly, share it with a friend. Our show will only grow because of you. If you have any show suggestions, questions, or thoughts on the show, feel free to write us at atheist at stlpodcast.com.
1: Atheist is produced by Justin Sywell and Trend Media STL. You can follow us and other great podcasts on Instagram at STL Podcasts. Also, check out the show notes for links to our Substacks. Thank you for listening and keep looking for connection.